If you have your Bibles today, go ahead and be turning to Luke, the fourth chapter. Luke, the fourth chapter. We all know that today on the calendar, it's July 4th, and we know what that means uh, here in in America, that Independence Day. As I mentioned earlier, the, the news media will take and, and go with this. Politicians will take and go with this. Everybody talking about all the freedom and liberties that we in America and as Americans can enjoy. And, and I am truly thankful to have been born in America and to live in America. And, and I am thankful that we can yet freely worship even though there's becoming more and more Christian persecution, Christian discrimination, intolerance toward Christians. And I know you hear it in the reverse all the time in the news. But the fact of the matter is, if someone is screaming intolerance on one side, saying I'm intolerant, then as they're pointing the finger at me, they have got should have several pointing back at themselves. They're being intolerant with me. And I have a source far greater than anything they have in the Word of God. I wonder, you know, we're going to get back to the book of Romans. We will in time. And I just wonder... How much longer Romans 1 and 2 can be preached in this country? Have you thought about that? Because there are many, if they would hear the sermons I preached, they would be calling me down for hate speech. When all I'm doing is trying my best to be obedient to the Lord and and the truth of His Word and speak what His Word says. And they can cry intolerance all they want to. But I have to be faithful to the Lord and what His Word says. And so, yes, I, I'm thankful that we all, we got in our cars and we came this morning. There's no soldiers stopping us and checking us. Aren't you thankful for that? But, all oh, may we be prepared for what may be coming and to hold on to the truth of God's Word. And so as thankful as I am for the freedom and the liberty of being a citizen of the United States, as I mentioned earlier, I am more thankful for being a citizen of a heavenly place because my citizenship, I guess you could say I'm a dual citizen, right? If you're born again, you are too. While yet on this earth, I'm a citizen of the United States, but I have a far greater citizenship, and that is in heaven. And it is that that I am truly thankful for what Christ has done and the freedom that I can enjoy and have in Him because of the cross, because of forgiveness of sin, because of His great faithfulness and His love. So let's go to Luke, the fourth chapter. Let's read verses 16 down through verse 21 of the one who has set the captives free. Be reading from the New King James Version this morning. So he, and this he is Jesus Christ, 
And, and just so you know the time frame, I know you could kind of flip back and and see the time frame of this. This was this was after the the uh, baptism of Jesus. This is after the the temptation, the forty days, the temptation, and now Christ has has come to Nazareth, and and this is this is right in that time frame. Baptism, temptation, now he's in Nazareth. So he, Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. In the providence of God. Amazing. Okay, here, Isaiah, read from this. <laughs> Remember who's, who, who it got handed to. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. Is there something powerful and great going on right there? <laughs> oh, boy. And he began to say to them, Today the Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Huh. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give You thanks for Your Word. And Lord, teach us. <laughs> teach us. Oh, by the truth of your word, by the power of the Holy Spirit, move and stir within our hearts and minds and teach us what you would have us all to hear and learn today. And Lord, perhaps today, perhaps today might be a day when some lost soul can be set free. So Lord, have mercy. Lord, open eyes of the blind and draw people close to you, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> what, what a statement. What, I, wouldn't you like to have been there and seen the reaction or heard the reaction when he said that? Today, the Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing because it was talking of him. You know, some 600 years before this, when Isaiah, inspired by the Lord, and wrote this down, it was, it was for this moment. It was for this moment. And then preserved through the years, some 2,000 years uh, since then, so that we could have it. And that we could be talking about it today. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Remember what happened. I said this was right after the baptism. What happened? You know what happened at the baptism. Uh, who descended as a dove upon Jesus Christ? The Holy Spirit. Uh, Luke 3 Verse 21 and 22. When all of the people were baptized and it came to pass that Jesus was baptized and when he prayed the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form. <laughs> in bodily form. 
like a dove upon him and a voice from heaven. And I can't help but understand this is audible. I, I, to me, a voice from heaven. To, to me that this is being heard among these people. To, to give credence to what's happening here. And again, that, that's me. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son and you I am well pleased. See, in, in Jesus' claim of being the Messiah, it, it, is it important that we have witness of Him being in the power of the Spirit? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Because it was prophesied in the Old Testament that God would give the Spirit to the Messiah. In, in Isaiah, the 11th chapter, let's read verses 1 and 2. Then shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And if we go into Isaiah 42, verse 1. Isaiah 42, verse 1. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my elect one, in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. <laughs> See, I'll, I don't know about you, but I always love it when I read a, a portion like this and it talks of the Gentiles. Oh, and I'm so thankful for that. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. And so in the power of the Spirit, Jesus will perform many miracles and and is even now is causing quite a stir among the people as they try to get a handle on who this miracle worker is. And news is spread about the region. He has been teaching in the synagogues and now he's in Nazareth and he goes into the synagogue on the Sabbath day to read. <laughs> See, it's, it's customary, or was customary for them to read from the law and also a portion from the prophets. And so Luke records that Jesus was handed a scroll. Now, it doesn't say he requested that particular scroll, and I, I can't help but think it's just by the, by the divine act of God that that particular scroll was handed to him, a divine initiative from the book of Isaiah. And Jesus reads from Isaiah that which his hearers would recognize as being messianic prophecy Let's read it again, just verse 18 and 19 in, in uh, Luke 4, Luke 4, 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He, God my Father, because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. See, what, 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 what will be the ministry of the Messiah according to the text that Jesus read from Isaiah? Well, first, to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, well, let's clarify. Is, is this talking about financially poor? No, no, no. It is speaking in regard to being poor in the spirit, in, in spiritual terms the the poor are those who have come to a to recognize that they have nothing by which to commend themselves to god 
They, they acknowledge their spiritual bankruptcy and recognize that of themselves, all their righteous deeds is nothing but filthy rags. Again, we could go to Isaiah, reading a lot from Isaiah today. Isaiah, that's in Isaiah 64, 6. But we are all like an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. The poor in spirit recognize their condition and come before the Lord with a humble and contrite heart, broken hearted before the Lord. Let's read uh, Isaiah 66 verse 2. For all these things... My hand has made, and all these things exist, says the Lord, but on this one will I look. Who's the Lord going to look on? On him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. Not talking finances, talking about humility before Almighty God, who is poor and of a contrite spirit. Spirit, and who trembles at my word. Book of Psalms, verse 34, verse 18. Psalms 34, verse 18. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. We go a little bit farther in Psalms 51, verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, these, O oh God, you will not despise. Go back to Isaiah 57, verse 15. For, th- for thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy places with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the heart of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. Talking of humbling yourself before the mighty hand of God and He will lift you up. But those who are proud and lift themselves up, He will bring down. Who will enter the kingdom of heaven? What's the beatitude? The poor in spirit. Matthew 5 verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of of heaven. See, the Messiah has come to preach the gospel to the poor in spirit and to heal the brokenhearted, the contrite and humble ones. So, the first that we talked about to preach the gospel to the poor. Next, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to proclaim release, to proclaim pardon, to proclaim forgiveness. Now, What is this liberty? What is this pardon? What is this release from? It's it's from sin. It's from the bondage of sin, the curse of sin. Release for those taken captive. Now let me ask you this. Who is taking them captive? Let's read 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 through 26. Now the first part of this, you know, it speaks to me. It speaks to me. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, 
in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Who were they taken captive by? The devil. To do his will. They're his slaves. You see, apart from Christ, their master is the devil. Now, can a born-again believer still become entangled in sin or fall into sin? Let me put it that way. Still sin? Yes. Yes. For, for those who have been born again, we have been set free from the penalty of sin. Let me put it this way. We have been set free from the penalty of sin. All who are born again, we have been set free from the penalty of sin. Uh, we, we talked about it earlier, Romans 8, verse 1. For all those who are born again, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who have the Spirit of Christ in them, the Spirit of the Lord in them, not walking in the flesh, not, not meaning this, but identity. Identity. Therefore, there is no, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. See, for those who have believed and received Christ, we will one day stand before God the Father, holy and blameless and above reproach. Not because of our goodness and anything in us, but because of what Christ has done. Because our sins have been covered by the blood of Jesus. But while yet in this earth, yet in this body of flesh, we are tempted to sin. We are prone to succumb to the temptations that we have learned. Go to the book of James. Temptations that come. We sang this morning, prone to wonder, prone to leave the God I love. We're still susceptible to the power of sin. Can I put it that way? We have been set free from the penalty of sin, but we're still on this earth where the power of sin has rule. Can I say that? But because that's, that's Ephesians, that's, that's Ephesians, the prince of the power of the air. Oh, but may we stand fast. And I love how Paul put it in Galatians 5, verse 1. Therefore, or stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. So we just read from Luke 4, talking about He has come to, to set the captive free, to bring liberty. So stand therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not become entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Now, I can't help but believe that, that Paul wouldn't have put that last part on there if it wasn't, where we could become entangled. Don't become entangled again in sin and bondage that you have been set free from. Don't, don't go back. If you, if you read all this in Galatia, it's, it's, it's as he's saying, don't go back to living like Ishmael, <laughs> who was a slave, an outcast, and separated from God, but rather live like the free man, the free one that you are, a child of promise. Stand therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free 
and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So this morning, child of God, if we should become entangled and fall or stumble into sin, what are we to do? Repent. Repent. And He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lay aside the weight of sin that so easily, what? Ensnares us. Let's read it. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So look to Jesus. Look to Jesus, all the ends of the earth, and be saved and be free. Look to Him. In John 8, verses 31 and 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed Him, If you abide in My word, you are My disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Look at verse 34. Those held captive by Satan are His slaves. Then Jesus said to... Verse 34, John 8. Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Whoever practices sin is a slave to sin. But the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that God has sent His Son to set at liberty to release the captives, those who are in spiritual bondage, that we may no longer be slaves of sin, but slaves of righteousness. And this, and this slavery is freedom. It's freedom. Freedom in Christ. Let's read Romans 6, verse 16 through 18. Romans 6, 16 through 18. And this, uh, well, we preached a sermon, it's probably been well over a year ago now, and talking about slave, being a slave when we're in uh, Romans 1. Now here, Romans 6, verses 16 through 18. Do you not know that to, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Yet having obeyed from the heart, having believed the doctrine to which you were delivered, the doctrine of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus has come to set the captives free. Isaiah 42, verse 5 through 7. Thus says God, the the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, 
and spirit to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand and will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles. <laughs> there it is again. There it is again. Uh, this is this is God, the Lord, giving His Son. Do you see that? Uh, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand and will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison who have set in darkness from the prison house. <laughs> that was all of us in darkness, held in prison. But one day, if you are born again, the light of Christ shone into your, into that chamber. Ever how you want to look at that? And shone and revealed to us the, the Lord and forgiveness and, and pardon. Uh. Spiritual blindness, spiritual, spiritual oppression. To, to open blind eyes and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who were oppressed. Child of God, aren't you thankful that you've been set free? Look at Jeremiah 5, verse 21. Jeremiah 5, 21. You see the, the prophet Jeremiah proclaiming this. Jeremiah 5, 21. Hear this now, O foolish people, without understanding, who have eyes and see not, and who have ears and hear not. Spiritually blind. And Paul said this in Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter, Second Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4. Second Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. And even if our gospel is veiled... It is veiled to those who are perishing. And who are the ones who are perishing? Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Remember who has taken them captive? The God of this age. The prince of the power of the air. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. The spiritually blind, in darkness, blinded, and cannot see the light of the gospel. In John 3, verses 19 and 20, And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. Who has come? Jesus Christ. That the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. Does the gospel of Jesus Christ bring condemnation to sinners? Yeah, it does. That's why they hate it so. Jesus has come to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. 
This is what Jesus said back in, in Luke 4 when we read. And proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Acceptable year. And that, that's speaking of a period of time. A, a period of time. And it's a time of redemption. A time of salvation. Uh, you, you could say a time of jubilee to set the captives free and mark the debt of sin paid in full, you see. For those who are born again, our debt has been paid. Our, our ransom paid. And, and what has paid the price? The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Jesus Christ paid it all. <laughs> Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but He washed it white as snow. You see, Jesus came to the earth to set the captive free, to save sinners, to release from sin the, the poor in spirit, to set at liberty all who would humble themselves and believe now is the acceptable year, the acceptable time to receive mercy. Now. Now is that time. Uh, see, and according to Luke's gospel, when Jesus read from Isaiah in the synagogue that day, and I've talked about this in, in years past, but he stopped reading in what we would say was the middle of a verse. In Luke 4.19, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, let's go to Isaiah 61 and read the rest of the story, the rest of the prophecy. Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. And the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And this is where Jesus stopped reading, according to Luke. But Isaiah keeps going. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God and to comfort all who mourn. Now, why would Jesus finish, not finish that reading? Or the phrase, the rest of the thought. Because you know that in that crowd, there were some who were going, what he did, he didn't, he didn't finish. There were probably some there that was going to criticize that he didn't complete Wait, wait, he, he talked about the acceptable year, the time of mercy, but what about the day of vengeance, of judgment? Because many of this day thought that those two days were going to be together. That, that salvation and judgment were to come on the same day together. But Jesus had said in, in John 12, in John 12, uh, verse 44 through 48. John 12, 44 through 48. Then Jesus cried out and said, 
He who believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him, for I did not did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words, that has has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in that day. So, see, I believe, and again, this is me, put a sidebar there, that this is me. I believe Jesus talked about the acceptable year because that's why he came, for mercy. The acceptable year of the Lord to receive mercy. The acceptable period of time for salvation. But judgment is coming later. Paul, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You, you see, we live in, a, in, in, in an age, and I don't know if I want to use the word dispensation because that has connotations with some people, but, but we live in a day of great grace and patience from God. We have talked about that as we've been working through Romans. It, it's just by His grace and mercy that He just doesn't consume us all. But he is patient and kind because this is the acceptable time to receive mercy. And so he is long-suffering. And he is waiting. But a time will come when the acceptable time is over. When the time for salvation is past, then will come the second part of Isaiah 62 You see, Jesus came the first time to bring an acceptable year of salvation. But when He comes again, it's a different story, isn't it? It's going to be a different story. A day of vengeance. Judgment day. Isaiah 62, 2 will be completed. And Paul says this in 2 Thessalonians 1. Let's read verses 3 through 10. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer since it is a righteous thing with God to repay. Uh, we, we read this a few weeks ago when we talked about tribulation. Some of you will remember that the tribulon and what tribulation is since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us. So so two categories. Remember, we talked about two categories. One is going to get rest. The other is going to get what? Everlasting tribulation. Let's, let's keep reading. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. And then here, here comes the vengeance. Here comes, here comes the day of vengeance. 
verse 8, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power when He comes in that day to be glorified in His saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. You see, now is the accepted time to receive mercy, but someday that window of opportunity will close and the vengeance of the Lord will become will come upon all unbelievers. That, that's not a message that will, that will make you very popular, is it? But it's a truth. It's the truth of God's Word. And it's the, it's the Word that needs to go out. Vengeance, everlasting destruction upon those who do not know God, but for those who believe rest, eternal rest in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven. For all those who believe the testimony of the word of God. And and as I say so often, it always comes down to this. Do you believe? (laughs) Do you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ? No more important question to be asked on the face of this planet than that very simple one. John 3, verses 14 through 18, we read so often. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the the world through Him might be saved. You see, the acceptable year, the time of, of mercy and redemption, that's why it came. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but but he who does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Jesus came to this earth to be the perfect sacrificial lamb. To give His life a ransom for many. To pay in full the penalty of sin for all those who believe. By faith, believe and receive Jesus Christ. Confess that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Repent of your sins and turn and follow Jesus. (laughs) Romans 10 verses 9 through 13. Let's read this. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from the penalty of sin. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek 
For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, Jesus came to usher in a period of time. A period of release for those held captive by sin to bring deliverance. (laughs) To set at liberty. Real liberty. Real freedom. And real liberty and real freedom can only come from Jesus Christ and from Him alone. (laughs) And this liberty came at a great price. And the price of our liberty was the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. He has come to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And so then, having been set free, may we stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not become entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So for those who are in Christ, (laughs) we we are set at liberty because He has suffered in our place. He was forsaken that we might be forgiven. He was condemned so that we might be made accepted in the beloved. That that song, put put that um, You Are My King. I'm forgiven because You were forsaken. I'm accepted You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me amazing love i know it's true and it's my joy to honor you in all i do i honor you amazing love amazing love he died so that we might live Let's end with with Psalms 107, first two verses. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we just give thanks. Just give thanks for reminders, reminders, reminders of what you have done through giving your Son so that we might have liberty and freedom in Christ. So Father, help us all that we may walk worthy of our calling, that we would stand fast in the liberty by which we have been made free, 
May, may we take up the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. May, may we fend off every temptation, everything that would try to become an idol, everything that would try to speak louder than you. And may we stand fast and serve you and honor you with our life in everything that we would say and do. So Lord, help us, help us. And again, Father, should there be someone who might hear this sermon, who is yet lost and in sin, who is who is yet held bondage to sin, oh Father, perform a miracle of mercy and salvation that only You can do. Shine light into darkness. Open eyes to see not only Your holiness and Your righteousness, but that that sinner might see their sin that they might see where their destination will be without forgiveness of sin. And then, Lord, show them the cross. Show them forgiveness. Draw them close to you. Grant repentance. Grant them faith that they might believe. And that they may repent of their sin and turn, having received Christ, and follow you. Follow Christ. So, Lord, help us. Help us, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.